What's up everybody? I hope you're having a great day. I'm so grateful that you're here. It really does mean a lot. I'm Travis McKenzie and I'm excited to bring you another special edition of the Inner Voice podcast. It's a real pleasure to welcome Caroline Burkle to today's show in another edition of the I'm Curious to Know project. Caro, as she's affectionately known, is an Olympic medalist and a record-breaking swimmer. She has since co-founded Rise Athletes with fellow Olympic swimmer Rebecca Sony. Rise was born out of a desire to support the next generation of youth athletes and to provide Olympians with an opportunity to support those athletes in a mentoring role, also providing the Olympians with a sense of purpose as they transition out of competitive sport. As you'll hear, Rise is growing, but Caro's personal journey hasn't been all smooth sailing. She generously shares her personal struggles and the work that she's been doing with a trauma therapist. I appreciate her vulnerability and I thank her for her honesty in sharing her struggles. I left this conversation with actionable steps on how to assess my own journey and continue with my self-discovery through exploring my curiosity. I'm grateful for the opportunities to have these conversations and to bring them to you each and every day in May brings me great joy. Please enjoy the show. We've had uh, many, many chats over many, many years now, and this will be the first time we've been able to really jam out in some stuff in a uh, in a format like this. But Caro, how are you? Welcome. Yes, thanks for having me. I'm great. When you're you're saying what day is it? I'm over here like, okay, today is I think day sixty of quarantine because the beach is opened in Southern California, <laughs> and so it's a there big landmark for us. This morning we went to the ocean, so I, I'm feeling good. We started the day off right. Tell me about that. Like it's a big bit. It's been a big part of your life. Uh, you know, um, you're a swimmer. You love the water. You love the ocean. If anyone follows you on social media, they know how joyful that time is that you get to be around water and, and the ocean. How's that been for you not being able to do something that you find so much joy in? It's interesting that you ask that because I was having this conversation with someone the other day. And my first initial reaction mentally and logically is, Oh, it's been so hard. I I need the water and I love the water and it's been ridiculously hard, which yes, of course it has been. I don't have a bathtub here. Actually, I have a beautiful shower, but no bathtub. I'm learning that I know how to pivot well. The moment that it's like, okay, here are the rules. Here's what you guys have to do. Here's what is possible. Go. I'm like, okay, cool. Guess what? We can't do that anymore. So I'm going to make do with whatever I have to do. You know. So I think I'm learning that about myself that like, if it's off the table, I know how to pivot, move to something else really well. So it's almost been like this morning we were joking. We're there. It's been 60 days. Haven't touched a body of water. Haven't swam at all. I have a kiddie pool in my garage. I got in, which was great. But um, it felt like yesterday, you know, like four of us are there, like doing our social distancing thing. And it was like, okay, this feels like it's only been maybe four or five days since we've been here last, you know? So it's like when you can pivot well and you go to that other direction, I I felt like it was a little bit easier to handle, but yeah, I'm not gonna lie. I miss it. (laughs) Yeah, I understand. I think the the most uh, positive people that I've noticed in this time are the ones that you described the people that can pivot can understand mm-hmm. that like they can only control what they can control there's no point in you sitting around for 60 days saying oh, i can't go in the water today like that's not going to serve you at all so to be able to right. find things that you can control and make the most of things i think is a sign of of someone who can kind of adapt i want to talk a little bit about how we first met i was at lululemon at the time um i can't remember i was trying to rack my brain who introduced us we had a great call um, you were just launching um, Rise and kind of doing your thing and thinking about what you might 
you know, take on in your post-athletic career. Um, I was kind of new in my role and I was like, I don't know what that conversation was, but I remember it being full of energy, full of enthusiasm. And I thought to myself, like, I, whatever happens, I know that we'll stay in touch and she'll also be successful with whatever she takes on. So that's my recollection of that. My recollection was I was nervous. I was scared shitless because <laughs> I knew that what I was about to do and have a conversation about was really important. I was with Lulu for quite a while, a handful of years traveling around different stores in different states, you know, kind of being in community roles. And I remember uh, as I was launching Rise, you know, at the same time, there was this passion for me to also explore and just kind of like fork in the road, figuring out do I want to really go this route, you know, be a part of something that's already big, but I can contribute my skills to, or do I want to create this thing, you know, Mm -hmm. with Rebecca from scratch and go out on this limb and try and figure out what the heck we're going to do and then how we're going to do it. And I remember the resistance there was intense for me. I was living in Santa Barbara. We had just opened Aviva the showroom there front we you know we branched I branched from Lulu a little bit and kind of switched over and helped with the Viva and I loved it it was time for me to make that decision and so I ended up deciding to go full time with Rise and you and I have stayed in touch since obviously yeah. but that conversation was really empowering for me because I I do remember energy from people I don't I may not remember specifics of what the conversation is even about half the time but I will remember the energy. You were an outstanding swimmer. You were a US Olympian. You won a medal at the 2008 Olympic Games. I don't remember the the teammates that you had on your team, but I do remember cheering against you as an Aussie. Everyone loves swimming, particularly at Olympics time. It's like one of, you know, that's where we win most of our medals. So it's, it's a national sport over those th- that three-week period. So I remember vividly cheering against you, even though that I didn't know who it was. You know, I know that's probably a highlight for you. Honestly was. And, and you know, my, one of my closest friends, Stephanie Rice, is an Aussie. And so that was such a beautiful race. We all have friends from these other countries that are succeeding as well. So you really have to embrace everything as it comes. And yes, we, were, we went in trying to get gold and we got bronze and that, you know, it was super hard just mentally at that moment. But at the same time, what a cool experience. It was highlight, but I, I, I would have to say that there's some other parts of my career that nearly stand just as tall as I start to reflect back more on it now. What are some of those other moments? NCAA is my senior year, the spring before the summer of the games. I broke Janet Evans' 18-year-old 500 freestyle record, American record and NCAA record. So that was like, you know, incredible because I had been wanting that my entire career in in sports, Mm. but I never really was very vocal about it. Not only was it a great time on the scoreboard time, but it was a great time in general. It was probably the most flow state of a race I've ever been in. Like, I don't remember it at all. The only part that I remember was the last 50 meters. And I remember touching the wall and knowing that I could have gone so much faster. Like it did not hurt as bad as I wanted it to. And I remember in that moment, touching the wall, turning around and beating it by a second being like, this has been standing for 18 years. No woman's ever done this. This is the greatest woman swimmer in history. And I'm still hungry for more. And I know that I can do more in this, you know? So it's like this conflicting, like I'm happy, but I'm also like, wait, (laughs) you know, I, I, I can do more and I have these opportunities to do more. Um, but then, of course, that's where the expectations set in, right? So you've got like this 
push pull. <laughs> like I want to be yeah. grateful. That was probably my other, you know, amongst many, but that was probably my other most proud, my proudest moment. I've heard that a lot, actually, like those moments of flow state for some yeah. athletes are actually somewhat disappointing because as athletes, we get so used to feeling the feelings, how hard it is, how much it hurts, the emotions. And then all of a sudden you get in this flow state where it becomes effortless. You know, it, it allows you to achieve a level that you haven't achieved before, but you also miss out on some of the actual feelings and emotions of that experience like you're describing. Tell me about the last 50 meters. I think that I knew, well, I knew I was in the lead by quite a bit. You know, in swimming, it's like you can see your team on the side of the pool. At NCAAs especially, they're just, at international meets, you can't go on deck. It's a clean deck. Like you can't go on deck. So it's harder to gauge your progress in a race because you literally cannot see anybody except for yeah. the pool. But like at NCAAs, you can make out faces and people, like even when you're going fast, like you can still see it. And I remember just the entire team was like jumping as high as possible, going crazy, like, you know, arms everywhere. Like, well, and I'm like, I must be doing something. <laughs> Like, yeah, yeah. I know that I'm feeling good, but I must be on pace for something. And I, and I was not a times athlete. I did not know my splits, my times. I did not do anything strategically in that way. My strategy was feelings. And so I can gauge it off of that. And so in that moment, I, I felt together. Like I felt like I knew that I was going to do something incredible. Like it was, a, it was just this feeling that comes over me. And I think I have the ability to tap into that um, quite well. Uh, but I had no idea where I was like time-wise, mm -hmm. not a clue, but mm -hmm. I think I can feed off the energy of, of the people and off the energy of myself and off the energy of kind of knowing where I was in the pool and my race and how my body felt to know. I knew no, I had I a lot of it's... energy left. <laughs> I was like, wait, yeah. what? I only have a 50 yeah. left. Like I should have tried harder, like 200 to go. <laughs> did you wonder like, if you you'd know. like, did you wonder if you'd missed a lap? Did you get to the end? You're like, oh, did yeah. I, did I always I do soon? That. I always wondered that. I was like, wait, did the counter mess up? You know, did like I, cause yeah. a lot of times you rely on the counter because there's a counter at the other end that counts for yeah. you. You rely on them and they can easily mess up. I mean, it's not that hard to flip one thing every time, but like they can easily mess up. I love the team element of swimming. You know, I grew up in Australia swimming and that team element. So you're, it's an individual sport in the most case, except for relays. But you're obviously, there's team, there's people on your team and on your side and cheering you along. So being there to be able to see your entire team on the deck, that's probably the, the big, well, I'm, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but that's probably like one of the biggest things you remember is like having Totally. That outlandish level of support. Yeah, I, I barely remember anything other than the people and the energy from any experience that I've been in. Really, you know, I guess some could argue isn't the best. I mean, if you don't remember specific details, then it's like, did you do it? You know, but I think that as one of my friends, Carl Pally says, I'm not sure if you're familiar with Carl Pally, but he's no. was a phenomenal gymnast. He always says true performance is measured by feel. And, and it, for me, that was like, oh, someone sees me. Yeah. <laughs> I resonate, you know, because I, I struggled for so long with that. I felt very out of place because I never knew how to explain how I felt even growing up and everything. It was just such a, you know, play by the books and the times and here are the splits you need to go and you need to do this, this 50 and this and this. And I struggled yep. so hard with that because I was like, well, what if that's not how I do it? Like, I, I don't know how to do it that way. I don't know how to measure that. I very much have experienced most everything in life with how I feel that has gotten me into some trouble in, in some ways, because it can, you know, become a distraction and worrying a little bit too much about what other people 
think about you because you feel, <laughs> but yeah. it's a superpower. You talked about swimming. You talked about beyond. I want to, I want to now talk about the beyond. I want to talk about mm. how that feeling that you have and that gut reaction and your ability to have that sense has translated to your entrepreneurial journey. Growth, revenue, numbers, this, that is the split times and the mm-hmm. sets and the workouts. That's what I equate that to, where your success and your superpower is in gut instinct and growing and fostering energy and engagement. Mm-hmm. Have you started like put those two together to say, this is how I want to run my business or grow my business, not necessarily attaching it to results of revenue and growth and et cetera, et cetera? Great question. Uh, Well, this is why my business partner and friend who I've known forever, Rebecca Sony, Olympic medalist, I think she has eight medals maybe (laughs) or something. She's the exact numbers, growth, revenue, like she's very wise. And so she's also intuitive, but she's very wise with that. And so when we partnered together, that was something that we shared right off the bat. It's like, I have this ability to feel and understand like what the step can be. And then we can like, compartmentalize it and put it into this like business style plan, which has been a blessing. It's been a huge blessing, but I have definitely had a harder time with numbers, any sort of like monthly progress report listings that we do. I'm just like, I have to read it like six times because I'm like, okay, well, let me, let me break it down first. Like, what did I feel we did well during this time? Like, what did I feel that we accomplished as a community and what mentors did we get to feel connected with and what new athletes and parents and coaches and people and community did we bring in and, and cultivate, you know, cause that's the way that I structure yeah. things. So if, if I can understand that first, it helps me understand the second part, which doesn't have to be second, but the other part, which is mm-hmm. the growth, the revenue, the numbers. So what I'm learning is that I play into what I'm strong at first. If I can sit and understand what I've experienced feedback wise, that was good, that maybe didn't feel as connected, that didn't feel as good, it felt a little wonky or or that felt phenomenal. And we did this and and measure it that way. And then step into the other side, it helps me connect it. Whereas if I did the other one first, I wouldn't feel that I'm as connected to the process and, and connected for me is everything to feel connected and emotionally connected to that process. But that's a way for me not to run from it is what I'm saying is to start with kind of the feeling first and then dive into that. I keep thinking back to the conversation I had with Duke last week where he talked about culture and and culture within an organization and building a brand and a business based on culture. I get a sense that that is something that you guys really hold as one of your guiding principles. You want to provide an environment for athletes, for the mentors, for the parents, that they can buy into the culture of the organization first rather than Here's a transactional relationship that we have and there's the result from it. So that that I'll put a period on that. And I'd also love for you to give a bit more context on what Rise Athletes is because I think we skipped over that. So let's talk about that and then talk about the culture part that I I mentioned as well. Yeah, great. So Rise, uh, when Rebecca and I finished swimming, we had a, a literally a voice memo conversation that led into a real conversation that was just like, something's missing. Like we feel empty as athletes. We just retired from the sport. It feels like boom, 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 like cut you off by like, we don't really know what to do with ourselves. And also we're noticing this next generation is seeking advice from us or their parents are calling us or like people aren't really sure they want to, you know, swim lessons or talks or whatever. How can we like 
bridge the gap between swim lessons and public speaking and like create a culture and environment where people feel safe to be themselves and not just like doing this thing where they're in a transaction and showing up somewhere and, you know, paying the money and leaving. So that was one conversation we had. And the other conversation we had was how can we help Olympians feel this sense of significance when they're done with their sport and or elite athletes, which is sort of now in conversation, like, will we grow this past just Olympians? But athletes that have accomplished something are all like, what do I do now? I don't really know what I'm supposed to do. And I don't really understand how to make a difference with all these skills that I've just practiced for 20 years of my life. Take one, take two, put them together. And how can we create this mentoring platform? So she started and came up with all these videos and things and started working with one or two athletes. And then I graduated from graduate school in sports psychology. And she called me saying like, you ready? Let's sign you up with some athletes and get this going. And and we were like, let's do this. So we created the business. We wanted to solve a problem. We had something that we were sitting there saying, okay, maybe this isn't a problem, but we want to change the culture of sports for both youth and Olympians. Like how can this be a mutually beneficial relationship so that the community and the culture can grow and people can live in that integrity of being held and supportive while also being pushed and into a better space in their sport and in their developmental developmental life. That's how it all began, which then leads into this culture idea, right? We didn't want this to be a transaction. We didn't want people to just come in, say hi, leave and be like, cool, I talked to an Olympian today. We wanted to create a team atmosphere where you have a team of people to where everyone is in integrity as a collective, that they're all accomplishing the same goal or mission and can make it their own personal creative thing and style within it. So we create a structure so they can have the freedom within it. We started bringing in Olympic athletes, training them on a sports psychology course that was six weeks long. Then they can go off and mentor youth athletes age 13 to 18. So some Olympians, we have about 20 Olympians now that are active. And some of them have 18 to 20 athletes. And some of them have two, you know, just depending on their lives outside of what rise is. We cultivate a community that is more based in honoring the heart, the mind, body, soul connection of each other, athlete and Olympian versus we didn't want to grow it so big at first to where we've just got tons of people that aren't on the same page as a culture and a community that are yeah. just doing all of these random things. So we've kept it like more of this cultural family community feeling and growing it based on the people that really want to be there and that really come in saying, I want to be a mentor. I am committed to this. I want to make a difference and I am ready to go as a team with you guys. We've kept that integrity there because we wanted to keep that really important for us. Where it goes from here, who knows? We have a thousand ideas, but we're, yeah, we've been just about five years now. I'm going to make some assumptions here. I'm sure that there's <laughs> been some some examples of those athletes that have come to you and said, thank you. Well, the, ment- the mentees, I guess, mentors. Yeah, mentees, um, yeah. So the Olympians, let's say that, that have come to you and said, thank oh, you yeah. so much for giving me purpose. Thank you so much for allowing me to give back to my sport. I had no place. I didn't exactly know what I wanted to do, but this has given me an opportunity to do that. So I'm sure that's happened. And then another assumption I'm going to make is, and how do you deal with, I guess is the question, parents who may think that this is the magic bullet, that this is going to take, you know, little Susie or little Johnny from average to Olympian, how do you deal with expectations? How do you set expectations? How do you provide a a safe place for parents to feel like they're being heard as well, Mm -hmm. but the kids 
This has been the number one thing we've been working on because parents are so important. They're the backbone of this whole thing. They're the ones obviously putting their kids through the program. We really, really want the athletes to take the lead with feeling empowered that they're working with this Olympic athlete. But the parents have just as many things offered to them as far as Mm -hmm. calls and resources and group work and things like that, because they're the ones that are also having to deal with the athlete all of the time and we aren't parents like we are not their parents but the beautiful thing about having a mentor and having the community at rise in general is it's sort of like a a triangle you have the parent the mentor and the athlete you know and so you're in this space where you're like okay how can we all be in communication to where when there is something that the parent needs to know or how they can best support they can do that to best support the athlete and so we really cultivate that trust with the parent up front and letting them know that this takes time, like typically yeah. about three to four months until which feels long, but it really flies by because it's only one call a week. But by the time you're on call 12, and the athlete starts to respond to stimuli differently, and their nervous systems regulate a little bit with whatever they're anxious about, and what they're learning about, we check back in with the parents and we go through that. To be honest, it's pretty rare that we find people that question the work that we're doing. And if they do, then maybe that's just not for them. You know, maybe, the, yeah, yeah. maybe the program just isn't for them. And it is a fine balance because we can't hold hands or micromanage or like, this is going to work, I swear. But it's also the same thing. And we'd like to explain this, that when you have a sport and you're going to go and train every day, four months of work, you can't expect to show up once a month and have progress, right? Like you go every day to see physical progress. It's the same thing with the mind, you know? Mm -hmm. And so once we explain that and and establish that trusting relationship and offer up our support and love within that boundary with the athlete, they understand, okay, I get it now. Like this is going to take some time and I'm down to, to try that and see that. And typically it's overwhelming support there. And again, if it doesn't work for them, it typically doesn't work. But for the most part, it's a fine balance. It's been a challenge for sure in a lot of different ways. As you grow, you will continue to have those growing pains. The more people you bring into the system, the more opportunity there is for for problems. So I think that you guys have an amazing opportunity in front of you and you also have a heavy lift ahead of you as you probably understand. You've done an amazing job of kind of giving people an insight into your life. I I love following you on social media. I love following your adventures and your journeys. And it hasn't been all smooth sailing for you. Well, first of all, I spent however many months or even maybe years, a year, two years wondering, why am I in this industry? I can't even figure out my own stuff, right? Yeah. But if we all had it figured out, then what are we all doing? You know, I think that's the beauty of it is even a coach has a coach and even a therapist is a therapist. Like people that help, that are in helping professions really have to tap into understanding that they're going to need to do their work too, because that's how they become better. From about January to March, no, I keep saying March, but it was just recently, like maybe until a month ago. I was in the biggest transformation of my life, trying to understand what is my purpose here? How can I continue to serve my community and also tap into things that make me happy and not feel guilty about that? Like that I'm doing something wrong if I'm not 1000% committed to this one thing that I'm doing. 
And I, I went through, I mean, just full transparency. And I talked to you about this before. During my career, it was definitely not all rainbows and butterflies. Like I had a lot of traumatic experiences occur and different challenges that were really challenging for me. And I didn't realize that until literally January this year. Uh, I started to realize it a little bit when I went through two broken heels and a concussion and the hospital stint for septic knee from the ocean and just different things that like, kept happening all within a two-year span that like my body was telling me, slow down. Come January this year, it was just like, like smack in the face of what have you not, what have you left unhealed that is hindering you from being better at what you can do in your life that is stopping you from being your best version of yourself as you move forward with your career with Rise, with the art that you're making as a friend, as a daughter, what, ha- why have I been running from this pain and from, mm-hmm. and from all of these things? And I held so much shame inside of me. And it was a dark couple of months. I mean, there were some days when I could hardly get out of bed. I didn't leave my house. Like I, I was in quarantine since January, to be honest. Like I've been in quarantine since January. Personally, I had gone through a transition right when I finished swimming in 2010. That was exactly as dark, but in a different way. That was a, I just have a loss. It's like a big breakup, you know, from like multiple things. And now I don't know what to do. So I'm going to keep running until I find it. And I'm going to keep proving myself until I find it. I'm going to keep making sure I please everybody until I find it. Before I knew it, I was in seven different cities, four different states. Like, you know, I was living everywhere trying to figure out and find myself. For what it's worth, I was doing the things that I that I wanted to do, but I was running. Mm-hmm. And I was running because something didn't quite sit right with me that I was running from that was painful within my life. It's 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 like so much more dense than probably what we could even cover in five hours. I guess the nutshell of it is, is that what you don't stop to work through will eventually show up in another context in your life and show up again. And it couldn't be more true. Like it has been the most challenging time of my life to grieve a life that I once had and that, you know, that I want to include in my life now, but that I am no longer. Mm. And that I don't have to be, to be loved and to be successful. That can be challenging when you also own a business where you are putting your heart and soul into something you are so passionate about while also trying to formulate a new identity for yourself. I appreciate you sharing that because I know it's not easy and I know that there's a lot of nuance in there and there's a lot of things that that we can't talk about, but there's probably people who are listening and I, you know, there's parts of my, as you're talking, there's parts of my self that I'm like, what do I need to deal with? And I think we all have versions or elements of that in ourselves. So I want to, I would love to make it kind of actionable based on your experience. Yeah, I think it's a heavy dose of introspection and inquiry with yourself. And, and that isn't just a, okay, I'm going to journal and figure out like, or go off some writing prompts and figure out, you know, what I, what I, what I've been running from in my life. It's patterns. And that's my number one thing that I've been really working through with myself and with understanding all of this is what patterns have you, like, if you go back into your life, 20 years ago, right? Without reliving the past and trying to like ruminate on it and dwell on it, but also knowing that your nervous system is responsible for holding a lot of it that isn't necessarily, that's not a bad thing. 
right? Cause you've, you've done what you've done up until now based on your responses. Right. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't mean that the thing that made you really good all of those times can't be something that you say, okay, how can I use that and maybe flip it and put it into my new life or use it as a positive thing. So as an example, something that I decided to look into was what has been my pattern as far as the running away is why do I want to keep hiding or like running or why can't I sit and understand myself? And so all of a sudden it became apparent to me that I've had this whole people pleasing thing or that in order for me to be loved or to be successful, I have to prove it through something and it has to be proven through something else. I I don't know that in my soul, that if I just sat here all day and stared at a white wall that I would be loved and I would feel successful, right? That's what made me good because what made me good was like, I know I'm better than that. I'm going to do that and I'm going to go do it and I'm going to get it done and I'm going to achieve and I'm determined. And I can still have that now and also know that if I sat here and stared at a white wall, I'm worthy and that I yep. can be loved and that I'm enough. It's understanding how the patterns have gotten you where you are and seeing that that may not serve you in one realm. So for me, it doesn't serve me in the self-worth and in the self-love area. It can serve me in creating rise and making art and doing these things and like wanting to have this business model and blah, blah, blah. But it doesn't serve me when I'm like, okay, now I need to do all these things because I need to be loved here. Like, Mm. or like, who's going to love me? Who's going to care for me? Who's going to see me? I don't need to run away to be seen. I can actually sit here and still be seen and start to use my voice and learn how to speak. So there's a lot of layers in that. But again, it's just reflecting on patterns. And I think um, I have a, a coach trauma-informed therapist, Sarah Baldwin, she's incredible. And she's really helped me break down some of my patterns and how, uh, you know, they don't serve me in certain areas and they serve me in other areas. That's okay to compartmentalize those and to understand like, doesn't serve me in self-worth and love and trying to have relationships that last and things that are beautiful, but it it serves me in creating X, Y, Z. That's really hard for me to do because I'm very tunnel vision. And once I get into that mindset, I'm going to go until I stop. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, it's well, really I, getting introspective with yourself and not being afraid to go there, not being afraid to really see what angers you and go off of that anger because underlying the anger and frustration is something that's unmet and an unmet need in yourself that you have to like really dive into and see that what that pattern is. It's amazing advice. And I think that there's a lot that can be said for working with professionals as you are. Like this isn't kind of something that we're advising people just to go home and and do this for themselves and not have guidance and support. Um, And I'm going to also make another assumption to to think that this can only be a a positive for your business. So the ability for you to be able to add another layer of depth to your understanding and skill set is going to be of benefit to the next generation of athletes. Well, thank you. I, at first, like I was saying earlier, I was like, well, if I'm doing all this work and going through this, like, should I even like, is it, is it worth it to work with, with other people or do I need to like figure all this out first? And the answer is no one has it figured out. And also sharing experiences. I have athletes that I will sit on the screen with and when we do the how are yous, I say, I am great. And I'm also I had a hard day yesterday and I worked with my coach on it and it was awesome. And they, they earn trust in me because once you learn, obviously I have a lot of like training and not the 
no projection while you're like obviously on calls and like learning about other people and having it be about them. You know, once you learn about each other and you can trust that everyone is in this together and you're working hard to become better people and better athletes and better friends and daughters and sisters and you know, whatever it may be, you become grateful for those experiences. And when you live in that place of gratitude, you learn more. When I can feel more, then I learn the information more. And I think it's across the board, it seems to be a really powerful tool when you build that rapport with athletes and with parents and coaches, et cetera, and just um, claiming your experience and working together to create a beautiful environment around that, which is great. The humility and the vulnerability that you have shown in this 40 minutes and that I've seen in you over time is incredible. And I applaud you for it because it's not easy to put yourself out there like that. I've been I've been very scared to do it for a very long time, but I'm starting to realize that if that's something that I'm almost in pursuit of, that it's the same thing I've been in pursuit of anything else. Like I want to feel committed to that and I want to feel that I'm giving my best self and showing up to that conversation and hard conversations and challenging conversations with the ability to open up and be vulnerable but also be willing to know that I am here on this planet learning and a student of everything. (laughs) Like, you know, you know, nothing, the more, you know, the less, you know, like you start to realize, like, I'm so curious and I want to live in that space of curiosity, which I think goes hand in hand with vulnerability. When you're vulnerable, you become curious about the world and about different things and how other people feel and how you feel and, and, and learning how to keep that boundary and understand that while staying curious is a really powerful tool. And it helps me with my art and it helps me with my work and my friendships and relationships. It's actually the whole reason why this whole series exists. Mm-hmm. These conversations that I'm having in May, I feel very grateful to be able to turn a mirror on myself in every single one of these conversations. I'm listening to you and I'm able to yeah. take what you're providing to me and think about how I can utilize that in my own life to be the best version of myself. And it's not always, I'm not always going to see, find the answers, but if, unless I, when you stop looking for the answers, like it's over, you can't, there's no growth mm-hmm. there when you're not, not, not open and curious. So. Yeah. And, and you can read all the books you want and articles and listen to everything you want, but unless you take that and then apply it to yourself, it becomes maybe more of just a distraction and running from yourself, you know? And, yeah. and I try to remind myself of that. Uh, I use, my sponge analogy, like at least once a week, usually towards the weekend, I'm like, okay, I've absorbed, like I have a sponge, I've absorbed it. Now I need to squeeze it out and start like using it. Like, let's use what I've absorbed and start to, to put this into practice. Because a lot of times I get very, you know, eager and hungry to learn and to understand Mm -hmm. things and and to figure it out. All these, I'm like, okay, you know, step back, you can now put things into application and start. And if you fail, you're going to fail. A million times, but at least you now have the information and the knowledge from different sources and different experiences to then weed out like what does and doesn't work for you as well, which has been a really helpful tool for me, like using the sponge thing. (laughs) Oh man, I feel like we could talk for five hours. (laughs) I know. I always have so much more to say. I'm always like, and then I get Uh, up and I'm like, oh my God, I wish I would have said that and that and that, but. I've pretty much said it every day. Like I hate cutting conversations off and 45 minutes literally flies by. I like to finish with three questions. So we have, we still have some more, some more to cover. First question. uh, What's one thing that's changed for you during this lockdown quarantine isolation period that has been a positive and that you want to keep once we move past and move into this new normal? Uh, Making art hands down. 
I, I get very fearful that when we get back into the swing of things a little bit more that I will be not making as much art. But I also know I work from home with Rise, which mm-hmm. has been a blessing anyway. So it's all internet. You know, I went to fashion school right when I was is one of my many different paths. I went to fashion school right when I retired swimming. I tapped back into that actually right when I got my concussion two years ago because I couldn't do anything really for quite some time. I was really concussed for a couple of months. So I started sketching again. And now it's become something I'm obsessed with. (laughs) So I hope that I can keep that because it really activates me. And every time that I do that, I get back in my ventral state and I just, I can think clearly and I'm in a space where I'm like, okay, I'm going to do things. Yeah. Second question. What's one thing that you thought was important before all of this that you're happy to leave in the past? Fear of not attending social outings. Uh, that, or that I didn't want to go to social outings because I want to stay home and watch TV or read or sketch. And this felt like it put everybody on a level playing field of that in a way, but also fear of what other people think if I say no to something. So a stronger boundary, um, but leaving behind the thought that I'm like, you know, letting somebody down if I don't go to something. Very cool. It's hard for me. It's a recovering people pleaser. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. I get it. I, I totally feel you. I yeah. have, I've been guilty of that a lot myself. So you've just given me permission to feel okay about that as well. So thank yeah. you. Third, third and final question. Um, what's been your most memorable moment of joy um, during this period? This morning was a memorable moment. Just having something taken away from you for, you know, 60 days and pivoting and then going back to this place that for me, the ocean is sanctuary you know, it's not like a party place or a tanning place. I mean, it is, of course, you go tan, of course. But for me, it's the yeah. sanctuary. Like I pivoted from pool swimming to ocean swimming, you know, after I came back from a five-year break from swimming. So now it's like the water is uh, so cleansing. It's like baptism every time I go. So this morning was really, really special after 60 days. Uh, and also my work with Sarah, I'll be honest, my work with Sarah during this time, who's my coach and, and therapist, I guess you could call her, uh, has been unreal. Like I've never been so aware of, of things like, you know, things just are starting to make sense a little more and I'm starting to understand myself. So those, I would say two. So those are my two. <laughs> this has been a, like, uh, this has been really insightful and it's been an honor to be able to have this conversation with you. And I really appreciate you sharing with me and I can see, I can see there's this amazing uh, unearthing and growth and uh, whatever happening right before our eyes. So I'm, I'm stoked to, to follow that journey for you as well. Thank you. Yeah. I'm just working on being me at this point. I can't make everybody happy. And so I, I'm learning that I am enough in that space, which is oddly enough, the hardest thing I've ever done harder than any race I've ever done harder than any pain I ever felt like emotionally or anything, but yep. It's hard on learning things. That's for sure. So I really appreciate this. This has been awesome. And you're a blast to chat with. And I like the um, questions that really bring about a little more introspection. So it was awesome. Yeah. Pleasure. Thank Um, you. And we're all cheering for you too. Just so you know, whatever that's worth. And if that helps, (laughs) we're all, I'm, you know, wind at your back. We're we're all cheering you along. So thank um, you. Thank you. And I know we'll do it again soon. Thanks, Caro. I appreciate you for sharing your authentic self. It takes great courage and trust to do so. I'm really proud to bring these conversations to life and I'm grateful for you for being here. Stay tuned each and every day in May for more episodes of the I'm Curious to Know Project. I'm Travis McKenzie and this is the Inner Voice Podcast.